If you live in New York City, the sound of this is pretty common to you. New Yorkers know that's a fire engine. And living in the city, you know that when the fire engines go by, it's something that means it's something hopefully good is going to happen with DNY responds. But a lot of times FDNY is responding with paramedic units and their jobs are out there moving and getting around the city to be able to help people who've been hurt and who've been victims. But then you hear this kind of noise. And you know that's NYPD. And when you hear NYPD driving down the street in a hurry, and you know it's multiple units, black and whites, or blue and whites in the case of NYPD, as well as detective cars, unmarked vehicles, and a lot of responders, that you know crime is taking place. And you know that the city can be a place where a lot of people are worried about what's going on. It's like that now where I live, out here in Queens, Woodside and Elmhurst and other areas. You hear and you see it and you know the crime is happening. And you know that it is a problem. Mayor of New York, Eric Adams, was talking about it the other day. It was his uh, first 100-day anniversary. First 100-day when uh, uh, of his uh, coming into office. After all, Eric Adams uh, was a former police officer. He knows what the scene can be like and what it is like for people. And, of course, how hard it is for them to do their job when the city has crime at this level. You can go around many parts of the city and you'll see more and more of this happening every day. 131 gun assaults with so-called manufactured printed 3D printed guns. You also have other instances of other... Uh, firearms from throughout the United States being smuggled into the city in a huge way and you have a lot of things going on that people tend to worry about and are concerned about as the crime rate has gone up 400% it's worse now than it was under Mayor Bill de Blasio it is in fact a murder rate that has skyrocketed with a total death toll that is at an incredible level a level, in fact, that many people thought they would not see again in New York after Giuliani and later Michael Bloomberg basically cleaned up the streets and got things to a level that made New York seem immune from all the crime that it is suffering now. But then nothing is immune anymore. 
the crime continues to rise and it's not just rising in normal fashion crime in New York City is soaring and it is in many places out of control it is getting worse every single day as you go around and you see it throughout the city whether it's any of the five boroughs from Staten Island to Brooklyn the Bronx lower Manhattan or other parts like Queens where I am it is getting worse not getting better and no matter what you think is gonna make it go away that's just not happening at least not today we wish Mayor Adams luck on his first hundred days and the fact hey it's a little more than 100 days now but let's listen in as this comes out he had an interview with uh, the top-rated radio show here in uh, New York City a radio show I listen to a lot Bernie and Sid in the morning they had Mayor Adams on. Let's listen to what he had to say then. That's great. Uh, awesome. Listen, I have to say, uh, Mayor Adams, I've been extolling, we've been extolling s some of the good things that you're doing, which is bringing back broken windows belatedly, but you brought it back. It's, uh, so congratulations on that. The anti-crime unit uh, reaping benefits already. That's a great thing. Dismantling these homeless camps. It's only common sense. Uh, good for the homeless. Good for the, the uh, citizens of New York. But uh, on other issues as well, of course, uh, uh, Mayor Adams, I m must say the statistics show that crime is up 45% since you took over and 70% on the subways. And, and people are starting to wonder uh, if, uh, you know, we made the right choice over Curtis Sliwa because, uh, well, look, uh, the, the headline from Fox News, goodwill for Mayor Eric Adams fading as New Yorkers fear woke empty suit. And, of course, they cite the de Blasio uh, a vaccine mandate for toddlers for unvaccinated city workers that uh, they say that uh, it, it's, we, you were elected to, to stop the kind of ham-fisted de Blasio idiocy that you were elected to stop, and you're not doing that. How do you respond to that? Well, first, let's peel back, because you do a lot in one sentence, and, you know, all the reporters listen to your show, and we don't need headlines based on your comments. They need to be based on my comments. Um, I'm not returning to broken windows. Um, I am having a city where we ensure we have the quality of life that we deserve. And we have saw the witness the normalization of just the failure of quality of life, everything from people stealing in stores, not being responded to, to theft of services. That is not the city I'm going to live in, and we're not going backwards at, at all. Uh, 
a second, I don't have an anti-crime unit. I have an anti-gun unit. Uh, these are officers with modified uniform uh, clothing. Uh, the NYPD has removed over a thousand guns up the street in the last 90 days. Uh, my anti-gun unit has removed close to 30 guns, over 100 and something arrests. They're doing their job, and they're doing a great job. The problems we're facing, Bernie and Sid, are generations in the making. Clear on that. This is a, this is a corporation, New York City corporation, and anyone that has ever taken over a corporation know you have to change the culture of that corporation, and that's what I'm doing. We're laying a foundation that's needed to deal with everything from homelessness, dismantling of the encampments, putting people in humane care instead of the inhumane care that we allow to exist in this city. And so right now, New Yorkers have opinions. And I don't know the New Yorkers you're listening to, but when I see people on the street, I'm getting a thumbs up. I see them all throughout the day, 3, 4, 5 in the morning, uh, from early day to late at night, doing the thing that's best for New Yorkers. And so this is only the first inning, brothers. We got a nine-inning game. And trust me, at the end of the nine-innings, we will win. All right, listen, we, we want to hear that. Trust me, we, we want New York to excel, and we want you to do well. Again, we were friends not that long ago, and Bernie did just point out a bunch of things, Eric, that you have done well since taking over, but i got to take it a task on something else. Just a couple of days ago, you were inviting gays and lesbians to come back to New York. First of all, why would they come back? The weather's better there. They don't pay state taxes. I mean, look at me, Frank. But on a serious note, uh, that bill never states the word gay. You know this, Eric. It never states the word gay. It's not an anti-gay bill. All it is is a parenting bill. I know for me, I've got two kids. I don't want Gabe or Ava learning about sex from their teachers in the third grade. So where I'm angry with you is I thought the way you mischaracterized that bill it's just a Democrat talking point, and you're smarter than that. Well, first, let me tell you the whole purpose of it. The posturing that took place in the governor, they instituted a bill when you didn't teach sex ed to children at that age. There was no reason to institute a bill that there was no need for because you, you weren't teaching sex ed uh, to children at that age. And what I don't do. I do not allow or never stand for this discriminatory language or posturing of any group. Because when you start with gays today, you do Italians tomorrow, tomorrow Irish the next day, African-American, Jewish. We're seeing an increase in anti-Semitism, uh, anti-Asian violence, anti-LGBTQ+. We're seeing what's happening in Texas around those who are part of the trans community. Words start the hate. And I am not going to sit back and allow that to happen. And one can agree or disagree. I don't go by Democratic talking points. Remember, many in the Democratic Party don't talk about funding police. They talk about defunding police. So I don't have talking points from particular groups. I have what's right for New Yorkers and Americans. No, but they continue to do that. But, Eric, when you say, Mayor Adams, when you say, uh, uh, characterize it as the don't say Gable, that's a Democrat talking point. And you said... You said, come to New York where you can say gay. That law, that it's, it's called the Parental Rights Act, that law does not say anything about not saying gay. It's all, it's all about teaching reading, writing, writing, and arithmetic instead of grooming kids in, in, into this uh, sexualization, teaching them about, you know, transgenders and gayness. Let the kids have their innocence. That's what it's all about. And, 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 you, and you did mischaracterize it. You did say that, come to New York where you can say gay. 
But that's a mischaracterization, and that's what the Democrat, the woke Democrats have been saying for the past couple of weeks. Well, you know, some of us have never gone to sleep, so I'm not a woke Democrat. I'm a consistent <laughs> person that speak on behalf of the people in the city. I'm a pragmatic Democrat with a clear, moderate view of doing things in a progressive way, but in my definition of progressive is progress, moving things forward. And one thing I know you and I both would agree on, man, we got a COVID issue, we have an economy issue, we have a violent issue, we have so many issues, we should not be spending all of our airtime talking about uh, my belief that we should, that bill was wrong. Okay. We need to get our city back up and operating. You know how many people are about to go through evictions right now? I think we uh, really uh, insult New Yorkers uh, when we spend all of our time talking on these high-profile issues and look at the talking points of any uh, party. I want the talking points of New Yorkers, and they say that would make us safe, allow for us to educate our children, and get affordable housing to turn our economy around. That's who I am. And that's what I'm going to continue to do. Right, fair enough. Well, we don't agree on COVID, by the way. Me and Bernie think it was over a long time ago. And, and for example, <laughs> more thrilled when, when you allowed Kyrie Irving to play home games in Brooklyn, but we laid off a bunch of workers before that. We weren't thrilled with that either. But here's where I'll give you more credit. You are not one of those old guys in the respect of you don't sleep. The last guy who was mayor woke up 11 o'clock in the morning, was half-baked and did nothing all day long. To your credit, I'll give you some credit here, you are a hard worker. You're out there all day long, sometimes early in the morning, sometimes late at night. Uh, so there, in that respect, just the work ethic compared to de Blasio, you've got him beat by about 50 miles. Well, you know, I've always had to work hard. You know, a, a, a young man growing up dyslexic, I had to work hard to graduate from college. Uh, I worked hard being a dishwasher. I worked hard going to school at night. You know, I worked hard studying to become a sergeant, a lieutenant, and a captain. So working hard is part of my DNA because I woke up every day as a child seeing a mother that worked hard to feed six children. And my story is the story of everyday New Yorkers. Uh, we work hard in the city, and we're going to continue to do so. No one is going to outwork me in turning the city around, and that's what New Yorkers expect from me. Well, they also expect uh, fairness, uh, uh, Mayor Adams, on the Bernie and Sid show. For example, this uh, the vaccine mandate that uh, the policy that you employ right now, you put jocks, you put jocks, high-paid athletes and entertainers as well over kids and cops. I mean, that reeks of uh, elitism and unfairness, and you know it does. I mean, you're sick of talking about it, but they're sick of being uh, unemployed because of it. And the kids, the tots, I mean, masks on tots, they don't, they, they, they move the, the mask, the masks are ineffective, and the tots are not vulnerable. You know that, uh, uh, Mayor Adams. What do you say to that? Well, first of all, one thing I like about this show, why I said it was this show, because even when I disagree with you, historically, you lead into facts. Uh, let's be factual here. Uh, the last and the ending round of those who decided not to take the vaccine based on city rules that, that were, were actually challenged in court, and the judges said the city was in the right, uh, no cops were fired. Zero. Zero. We need to be clear on that. They understood that many of us had to uh, lean into what we needed to keep our city open. We also had those who had religious exemption or medical exemption, there was a pathway not to take it. As a right of employment, the courts ruled, the city
city had authorization to do so. This was put in place before my administration. But even if it wasn't, I would have done it because that is why our city is open right now because of those man those mandates. We want to remove the mask from our babies under five years old. We were going to announce it on Monday, but I was clear when I said this. If we get an uptick in this new variant, we're going to look at it to see if it stabilizes, and then we will remove the mask for less than five years old, like we did the other rollbacks, those with vaccine mandates in restaurants, space wear, school children. So we have been consistent. Listen, brothers. I can't have this city shut down again. It can't happen. We spent $11 trillion on COVID. We don't have another $11 trillion to spend. I got to be smart, and I'm going to take some heat uh, throughout the time that I'm going to do this, but New York is elected me to make tough choices and stand up for those choices. Kathy Hochul finally came around just a little yesterday, Mayor Adams, when uh, she, at least she's going to give the judges now some discretion. Clearly, she's feeling the heat for the 22 election and knows that people have had enough in this city, in this state with the crime. And the people that she surrounds herself with, these uh, idiots, Carl Hasty and Andrew Stewart Cousins and these folks who claim that bail reform has nothing to do with the crime, it's just, it's insulting to people like me and Bernie, i got to be honest with you. Now, you went up there and they kind of slammed the door in your face and you came back with your tail between your legs to New York city and couldn't do much about it and our contention was hey eric go out there and start naming names start shaming people start yelling if you want to combat crime in this city bail reform is part of the problem you can't just go to albany have the doors shut in your face and come back and not really say much what do you think about that issue well, well first of all you guys have known me for a long long time and you know there are no tails that go between my legs <laughs> you know, I, I have never never back down from a good fight. That is who I am, and that is who I'm always going to be. And although everyone stated nothing would be done, uh, Eric was uh, beat up in Albany, all the headlines say it. Uh, so let's be honest, many people thought the needle would never be moved. We see what's happening right now. If the details that are emerging, uh, if they are correct, then it's clear those things that I pointed out are being, are being addressed in Albany right now, as I, as I stated. Now, and it's not to say we don't have more to do, because we do have more to do. Uh, we have to do everything from uh, having accountabilities in our schools, mail control. Uh, we have to make sure that we push through more public safety uh, items and issues. And uh, let's be clear, I had some real victories in Albany. My people's plan, earned income tax credit. We're going to get millions of dollars uh, coming back to taxpayers. We're going to we are, we're putting money into child care, which is crucial. So we are walking away with W's because I went up to Albany and allowed my tail to stay straight up instead of falling down and stated that I'm going to fight for New Yorkers like I have fought for New Yorkers uh, throughout my entire career in public service. That was an interview conducted by uh, Bernie and Sid. I forget their names. I always get them confused. And one is Sid Rosenberg. The other is, uh, I, I get Bernie confused with Bernie Kirk, who was the chief of police many times. I think it's Bernie McGurk uh, and, and the two of them uh, listening to this uh, uh, mayor we have in New York City as he tries to talk about making things better. But unfortunately, it's just not getting better and it won't 
until the city can actually come out and find a way to clear up the problem, which is an increase in crime in a tremendous way. I'm Mike of New York. We'll be back with more. Go ahead, sir. Thank you. Uh, hello, Senator Cruz. Thanks for coming out. I really appreciate you being here, making the trip. Uh, my name is Jamark Simon, and my question for you, Senator Cruz, is, so according to the Texas Tribune, you refused to certify the Arizona uh, presidential election results, um, but most re Republicans, like Mitch McConnell, uh, have admitted that Joe Biden won. Um, do you think Joe Biden legitimately won the 2020 election? Uh, why or why not? Okay, great question. Look. Joe Biden is indisputably the president of the United States today. Now, there are those in the media world that love to go around to Republicans and ask variants of the following question. Do you agree the 2020 election was fair and straight and everything was above board? And the answer to that is no. Um, what is odd about discussions about the 2020 election, listen, we're in a very polarized time. We're in the most polarized time certainly I've seen in my lifetime. Uh, and we're tribalized. Each group, each tribe, the left listens to left-wing media, the right listens to right-wing media, and we have these echo chambers that just reinforce what we believe. So coming out of the 2020 election, the corporate media and the left insisted voter fraud doesn't exist. And if you say voter fraud exists, then you're a tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorist. Now my view on that is that is a wildly ahistorical perspective. Voter fraud has been a problem, I believe, as long as we've been having elections, and not just in the United States, as long when the first cavemen gathered together to elect the Grand Poobah, Somebody stuffed the ballot box. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and that has been a persistent challenge. And I've spent over two decades fighting against voter fraud. Fighting against, for example, photo ID requirements to vote. When the state of Indiana passed photo ID requirements, I led a coalition of states before the US Supreme Court defending those photo ID requirements. We won six to three in a decision authored by Justice John Paul Stevens, one of the most renowned liberals on the court, who explained that protecting the integrity of the election is how you stop people from having their vote stolen. So I think it's important to fight voter fraud. Now, I've talked at considerable length about the 2020 election, and in particular, the objection that I raised on January 6th. And, and let me give a, a Cliff Notes version of a discussion that I've, I've talked in far greater length about. Um, in the 2020 election, there were widespread allegations of voter fraud. If you looked at polling at the time, 39% of Americans, nearly half, believed the election had been stolen. That is very disturbing for anyone that wants to see the American people have faith in our democratic system. Um, as we were going to January 6th under, under, under legislation called the Electoral Count Act, if a House member and a senator objects to the counting of electoral votes, the two chambers split up into separate chambers, we have two hours of debate, and we vote on it. 
And I spent days and weeks struggling about how to vote. And, and here was my thinking as I struggled with it. If I vote no, if I vote against an objection, that will be heard and that will be understood by tens of millions of Americans as my saying voter fraud isn't real, it doesn't exist, it's not a real problem. And that is not what I believe, that is emphatically the opposite of what I believe. So I didn't like that option. On the other hand, to simply object to the certification of the election because your guy didn't win, because the candidate you're supporting didn't win, I think that's completely unprincipled and indefensible. So I didn't like that option. And so I'm looking at these two options going, both of these options suck. So I did what lawyers often do, which is try to study history to see if, if there are any precedents from which we can draw insight. And as I studied history, I focused in particular on the presidential election of 1876. That was an election between Rutherford B. Hayes and Samuel Tilden. Now in that election, it was a very close election, it was a, it was a nasty, divisive election. In that election, there were serious allegations of voter fraud in three different states. And what did Congress do facing that, those allegations of voter fraud? Congress didn't throw their hands in the air and say, okay, there's nothing we can do, this is terrible, but we're powerless, oh well. That's not what Congress did. What Congress did is they appointed what they called an electoral commission. It consisted of five House members, five senators, and five Supreme Court justices. And that electoral commission conducted an audit of the election results in the three challenge states and examined the actual evidence and made determinations about the allegations of voter fraud. The more I looked at it, the better that precedent seemed to me. And so, as we were heading into January 1st, I was headed back to DC. Initially, I was just gonna announce, this is what I think we should do. And I'd actually typed up a, a two-page statement, I was on Southwest Airlines flying from Houston back to DC, and with my laptop, typed up a two-page statement. But then as I thought about it, I, I, I decided, you know, it would be better not to do this alone, but to try to assemble a coalition uh, together. And so I began visiting with other senators, and in the next 24 hours, a total of 11 senators joined together, and we put out a joint statement in which we said we were gonna to object to the results of the election in order to call for the appointment of an election commission to conduct an emergency 10-day audit. Now, if that happens on January 6th, it means the audit could be completed before January 20th, so it wouldn't delay the inauguration and have a determination on the allegations of voter fraud. I continue to believe if Congress had done this, you would have much greater confidence in the election. And as I stood on the Senate floor, and you can watch, I gave a five minute speech on the Senate floor advocating for this, I turned to the Democrats and I said, look, all of you insist on t TV, there is no voter fraud, it doesn't exist. Well, if you're right, you should welcome the election commission because presumably if the evidence doesn't back up the claims, that's what the commission will determine. And you know, Senator, there is actually one other historical tidbit here. I know you, you mentioned the first caveman election where they elected the Grand Poobah. Joe Biden was actually at that election. Did you know that? <laughs> he, was, he was in the caveman Senate. And, no, and it seems, this seems like a, a reasonable proposal that, that you're describing. 
and it, it continues to be uh, it continues to be trotted out in the media as evidence that that Republicans don't accept election results. There is another irony to that, which is a poll some months ago showed that a higher percentage of Democrats don't believe the results of the 2016 election than Republicans disbelieve the results of the 2020 election. It, it is true. Hillary Clinton went all over the country saying the election was stolen. The election was stolen. <laughs> Stacey Abrams still says she is the sitting governor of Georgia <laughs> and president of Earth, too, according to Star Trek. Okay, that, that's true. All right, that was just annoying. <laughs> now, I want to thank you. That was an excellent question. I want to thank everyone out there who had questions. I want to thank our Verdict Plus community. I want to thank Carol Brown and the Irving Brown Lecture Series. I want to thank the William F. Buckley Jr. Program at Yale. I want to thank Young America's Foundation. I want to thank our friend Liz Wheeler, host of The Liz Wheeler Show, and Cloakroom over at Verdict Plus. Senator, I always want to thank you. And I want to thank everyone who is tuned in here in the room. I want to thank everyone who's tuned in on YouTube. This has been a wonderful time with all of you at Yale. Thank you so much. I'm Michael Knowles. This is Verdict with Ted Cruz. So in case you didn't get it, that was Ted Cruz and Michael Nolan, uh, along with the pretty blonde girl who's hot. Uh, they were at Yale University. I was watching that a while ago. You should listen to that whole episode, The Verdict at Yale. Uh, very interesting. And surprisingly, they didn't get stoned at Yale. When I'm saying stoned, I mean throwing stones. They didn't. Nobody, well... You figure it out. Uh, Michael Noel probably did. But the overall thing is at Yale, the students actually did show some respect during the event. I don't know what happened afterwards. I know what happened before. But during the event, they seemed to show a lot of interest and it went out pretty well. Most liberal arts and liberal colleges in the United States that doesn't really happen that much anymore. The conservatives come a call it. Anyhow. That was the verdict with Ted Cruz, a little excerpt there. And of course, our verdict on, well, our verdict on Eric Adams is far from over. He's trying, I'm sure. A uh, hundred plus days, or it's 105 now, I guess, that he's been in office. We'll see. We'll keep on him. We hope he does better. And hey, at least he does know how to party. Now let's just hope he parties as hardy as he works as hard and just get the job done because 
an unsafe city means people are going to be leaving. 100 days. It'll be very short. But a mayor who doesn't do his job, that could be an eternity of suffering. I'm Mike of New York. I'm Mike Cohen.